Welcome to Adventures in Creativity, a show fueled by conversations and curiosity with your host, David Swiduck. Hey, welcome back. First thing, let me just get this out of the way. You'll probably hear my voice sounds a little rough, losing my voice a little bit, Um, dealing with a little bit of a cold. It's been a long week. The kids have been sick, hoping not to pick it up myself. But this week, I decided let's do something a little bit different. Now, I've talked before about how going back to look at our previous work, you know, older work we've done, things like that, how it can be especially informative when it comes to you know, kind of seeing where we've been and everything else. Now, normally when I talk about that, it's because I'm scrolling back through my Lightroom catalog and checking out old photos and everything else. But lately, I have been back in the the, the writing zone, back in the mood to do some writing and, and different things there. And, um, you know, I was looking at some uh, some old blog posts I had done on a few old random WordPress blogs I used to have. And I found one, I forgot I was doing this. I I was spending some time writing stories. Uh, Most of them were nature and outdoors related because that's kind of what one of my big passions and something I love doing. And so I used to kind of try and, um, I guess you'd say write down these stories of, you know, different hunts and things like that, time spent out in the woods, memorable moments, things like that. So I thought, you know what? It's Easter Sunday. Everyone's gone at the moment. I've got a little bit of time before I've got to be anywhere. Let's just have a little bit of story time here on the Adventures in Creativity podcast. And I'm going to read you some of my old writing. Apologies, because I'm sure it's pretty rough. I have not actually read through this prior to hitting record, so this could be a bit of an adventure. But let's uh, let's go back, have a little story time. In case you didn't know, I am David Swideck. I'm your host here at the Adventures in Creativity podcast. And today I'm just going to share a little bit of something creative I did way back December of 2013. It's a story I wrote, kind of a, it's, it's, it's a true story, but a, a story version of a moment during a deer season a few years back. Warning, if you are not into hunting, you know, not into those kinds of things, this will be a story of me having a successful hunt. So you may you may want to skip it. You may want to listen. Up to you. Let's get into it. Have you ever had a hunch at the last minute and changed your mind about something only to look back at it later and feel like things were predestined to play out the way they did? The signs that opportunity was leaving for you just needed to be followed, some as subtle hints, others more obvious after the fact. As I ejected the third round from my rifle on opening morning, I smiled as all of those signs and hints became clear to me. Looking to the sky, I said a quick prayer of thanks for the good fortune of a great opening morning in the North Woods. The summer of 2013 was a summer of changes, as I finally got out of a job that I hated after six long years, eliminating a ton of stress for myself and my family. The price I paid for leaving that job was that I would have zero vacation time for the first year with a new company. 
rather than having nine straight days plus the third weekend of season to hunt, I would be a dreaded weekend warrior hunter in the woods. As summer sped by and fall arrived, I spent a lot of extra time planning stand locations and brushing out trails that needed to be cleared of the encroaching summer growth and, in general, enjoying the approach of autumn here in the Northwoods with my dad. We didn't have as much time to get things prepared as usual since he would be on a late October elk hunt in Montana, so we tried to maximize every day we could, hoping to add a couple rock-solid new stand locations to supplement some already good locations we've been using for a number of years. Another year of studying the layout of our hunting territory and thinking about ideas for stand placement, we came up with a couple new spots we thought just might pay off. But I had one spot that I felt was going to allow me to put down a bruiser. It was one of those places that we had sort of danced around and talked about and never attempted to get a stand into. Not sure why, as it was the perfect combination of food, cover, and travel corridors. A small yet thick cedar and tamarack swamp provided cover, with a couple hundred yards of bigger pines full of little hills and valleys creating a funnel for the deer to travel to and from a few-year-old clear-cut, which provided the primary food source, full of fresh buds and new growth. After seeing two different mature bucks come out of that area last year, I decided we were past due in getting there, so we made an early fall scout to find the best location and clear a small trail and then snuck in the weekend before season to put the stand up. This will be a good spot, I told my dad while we were scouting. Maybe I'll name this stand the Deathly Hollows. I just had a feeling that this is where I would have the best chance at a buck this season and that I would likely spend most of my short time available to hunt in that stand. Something about it just felt perfect perfect until we snuck in to put up the ladder stand the weekend before season when we found an area right in the heart of the swamp that had been cleared of trees in about a 30-yard circle. No stands and no real trails marked, as well as evidence of pine bow cutters, so we figured we should be free of any company come deer season. Still feeling fairly confident in the spot, I began the long week before the opener dreaming about what I would see from that tree the following weekend. Opening morning, I crawled from the warmth of my bed, donned my hunting base layers, and got in the car to drive the half hour to the shack to meet up with my dad and the rest of our hunting party. The morning ritual of coffee, rolls, and discussion about where we were all headed for the morning hunt, stories of years past, and some light teasing would continue all through season for most of the party. Arriving at my dad's to gather the rest of my gear before walking up to the shack, we chatted briefly about where we were going to sit, what direction the wind was coming from, and what time we needed to be in the stand to be there before daylight. Have you ever shot a deer opening weekend? He asked idly while he pulled on his boots. Nah, not yet. Maybe this year will be the year, I said laughing, though I'm starting to feel the big skunk coming on. Grabbing the rest of my gear, we walked up to the shack to kick off our opening morning with a little visiting and a quick recap of where everyone would be so that if we heard shots, we could all pass the time in our stands by speculating about who shot what. By this point, I was getting antsy, daylight was still about an hour off, and even though I had a short walk to get into the stand, I was ready to go. That new stand was calling my name. My perfect spot was pulling me, and I wanted to be there early so that I would be ready to ambush my buck at daylight when he came sneaking through those tall pines. It was overcast, only a slight breeze and about three inches of snow blanketing the ground, enough to help pick out deer in the thickest brush. Everything was perfect until he said it. That small, conversational, and innocent question, 
a simple reply from me. Did you put a stand back where you shot your buck last year? Asked my Uncle Ken. Yeah, I replied. We saw some pretty good sign in there last weekend. A few scrapes on the ground and just a couple of rubs on the trees. A lot of heavy trails and tracks. I'll probably sit there tonight or tomorrow. Ooh, that's a good spot. That's where I'd be sitting if it were me, he responded with a shake of his head. Though that new spot you're planning on for this morning looks pretty good too. For sure, though I'll still go to the new spot this morning. Just have a good feeling about it, I said. Heading up the road to walk into my new stand, I drove by the trail to the stand my uncle had asked me about, the words from that conversation suddenly reverberating in my ears. I slowed as I drove by, but kept going to the new stand, but by the time I got there, my mind was made up, and as I turned the car around, drove back to the other stand and parked the car, I had that feeling that this is where I needed to be this morning, while my mind tried to rationalize that it was as good as any spot, and we'd seen a good bit of recent activity in there to indicate one or more bucks in the area. Quickly grabbing my gun, binoculars, and calls from the back seat of my car, I hurried up the trail to my stand. The last minute change of plans meant I was going to get into my stand later than I wanted to, still well before daylight, but I'd have to be extra careful to sneak in and up into the stand because it would be cutting it a little close. After only about 10 minutes, with the very faintest pre-dawn light beginning to creep up, I caught movement up on the hillside in the woods to my right. Bringing my gun up, I could just make out the head of a deer against a snow-covered ground. More importantly, the outline of antlers. Still too early to shoot, I kept my scope on him as I waited for him to clear the thicker brush and small pines he was in all the while silently praying for it to be light enough to get a clean shot by the time he stepped into an opening. For the longest 20 minutes ever, I strained to keep my eyes on him as he picked his way down the hillside, losing him more than once against the dark backdrop of the small clump of thick and low pines he was milling around in. Hoping he hadn't walked straight away from me, the one place that I would lose him without a shot, Relief flooded in as his head peeked out of the pines as he paused to test the air for any unwanted scents. He seemed like he could sense that something wasn't right. Taking a couple more cautious steps into the small clearing, he stopped once more, still searching for whatever it was that was making him uneasy. At about 60 yards out from me, I centered the crosshairs just behind the front shoulder, and with one final exhale, my Ruger thundered out. The buck vaulting straight up in the air, stumbling as he landed and in two jumps was gone from view. I heard him crash off into something, then it sounded like he kept running, though I was having a hard time hearing for sure due to the ringing in my ears. Sitting back, taking a deep breath, and feeling the rush of excitement from having just shot my very first opening morning buck, I strained to hear any indication that my buck was either down or had kept running. I pulled out my phone while I waited, texting my dad to let him know I'm pretty positive I had just put a buck down. Did you hit him, he asked. Yep, I wrote back. Good? I'm pretty sure. He jumped straight up and nearly went down when he landed. Then he took off running, heading to my left. I heard him crash into something, then sounded like he got back up, but I couldn't hear anymore after that, I said. I'll go look in a couple minutes. Okay, he replied. How big was he? Not sure. Nothing huge. I'm thinking maybe a four corn or something about that size, I said. 
Man, I'm feeling impatient. I want to get down and go look right now. Haha, yeah, I know how that goes. Keep me posted and stay put. Waiting. Ears straining to hear through the ringing. Eyes scanning the direction he ran, hoping to pick up any movement through the thick brush. Taking a couple quick photos from my stand and making a mental note that I had shot this buck at about 10 minutes to 7 in the morning. Feeling great about the start of my season as I put the phone away and scanned around again. Still couldn't believe my luck. At least the pressure was off and I would not get skunked. Now I could wait for the next opportunity at another buck. Maybe even a bruiser if I was lucky. There. It was movement over my left shoulder behind me, so I pulled up my binoculars for a better look. Nope, I wasn't that lucky. It was just a lone doe, no buck following that I could see. Oh, I wanted to get down so bad, but seeing a doe just 15 minutes after I had shot made me think I better stay put just a little longer. Well, the deer seemed to be moving. I'll give it another 15 minutes, half hour tops, I told myself as I eased back against the tree and began to listen and scan the area in front of me. Passing time was difficult and I worked at searching the hillside where my buck had come from and scanning the snow-covered ground where I'd shot him looking for any sign of blood or hair. Glancing at the blue-tinted, overcast sky, still trying to shake free of dawn, and listening to the occasional snap and shuffle of what sounded like squirrels digging around, I decided to try a couple short grunts on my deer call just to see what happened. Brrp, brrp, brrp. I put the call away. Looking up from my jacket, I caught a hint of movement to my left right where the buck I shot ran. And there, stepping out of the brush on the left edge of the little clearing was a little buck. Blinking in surprise that he stepped out not 30 seconds after I blew on the call, I didn't have much time to check him out. He was moving quickly, not running but nose down and searching. He must have heard my grunt and come to investigate, looking for a fight with the other buck that was in his territory. It was either shoot now or let him go. Crack! My Ruger pierced the quiet for a second time, this buck bounding forward and into the same pines that the other one had come from just minutes earlier. Ejecting my shell, I brought the gun up to prepare for a second shot if needed. I knew I hit him, but I wasn't sure how well because he took off so strong. As he cleared that little clump of pines, he circled directly towards me, and I could see he was hit well. He made it maybe 30 yards before piling up about 15 yards from my tree. Did I miss that first buck earlier? This deer looked almost exactly the same, and I started to wonder if I had some really bizarre luck. Missing the first chance at him, only to have him come back out to the same place he was shot at just 25 minutes earlier? Watching this buck try to struggle to his feet not once, but twice, I decided that even though I knew he was hit well, I didn't want to watch him suffer, so I brought my gun up, and for the third and final time, thunder echoed out, mercifully putting him down for good. The smile on my face spread ear to ear as I ejected the shell and I thought about how often that morning I was asked if I had ever shot a deer opening day and at how that random conversation with my Uncle Ken about this stand location had led me to change my mind on the spur of the moment and now after all the coincidental conversations and hints I had put down my first ever opening morning buck and possibly my second. Still smiling as I looked up and gave a prayer of thanks, I grabbed my phone and sent my dad another text. Just put a second buck down. At least I'm pretty sure it's a second buck, I sent. Really? 
What do you mean you're pretty sure, he asked. You didn't shoot a doe, did you? No does. It's a buck, and I just shot a second one, but it looks identical to the first, so I don't know if maybe it's the same one as earlier or a different one, I wrote back. Are you kidding me? Those shots didn't even sound like they came from your direction, he replied. They were me. I'm not kidding. I'm going to climb down in a second, and I'll send you pictures, I said. Laughing to myself as I climbed down from the stand, I thought about how great of a prank it would be to try out next year. Walking up to the deer I had just put down, gave it a nudge with the barrel of my gun to be sure it was dead, and I snapped a quick photo with my cell phone and sent it off to Dad, with a message saying, here is the second one I shot. Looking at the deer, I found just two wounds. No third one was present, so I had either cleanly missed the first one earlier, or this was a different deer. After a short walk to where I thought I hit the first one, my heart surged with excitement as I saw the telltale red spray in the snow heading off into the brush off the east side of the clearing. Based on the blood trail, I hit the first one pretty good, so I jumped on the blood trail and followed. Very little tracking skill was needed due to the snow and the fact it was losing a lot of blood quickly. It looked like someone had been dumping buckets of red paint over everything. Reaching the edge of the clearing where I had shot him, I found the source of the noise I was hearing before the second one appeared. The second buck had been making a fresh scrape right in the blood trail of the first buck, and when I called, he basically took three steps and was in the clearing. The first buck made it further than the second, and as I followed, I saw where he appeared to have crashed head first into a tree, fallen, jumped back up, and ran about another 20 yards before finally crashing down under a skinny red pine. Snapping another quick photo, I rolled this one over to get a look at where I hit him before, sending the second photo to my dad. Those are the same deer, he wrote. That's the one you shot last year. I fired off another photo of the blood spray all over the snow. You sent me that same picture last year after you shot that buck. You're just screwing around with me. No joke, I said. Two down confirmed this morning. I need help getting them out, so I'll wait for you at the shack, I replied. I had to use this prank next year. I was back at the shack by 8 o'clock, very early compared to everyone else, but I had no reason to stay in the woods. I had shot two bucks by 7.30 and now just waited for help dragging them out. No one wanted to believe I had shot two bucks that morning except my grandpa. He just knew, I think. They all thought at best I had shot one and that they were the same deer. Most of that teasing stopped once the deer were hanging at the shack. The proof was there, though the two bucks were almost identical. They both had five points, forks up top and a single brow tine on the left side. One was a slightly larger bodied deer with slightly smaller antlers. The other had slightly better headgear but a slightly smaller body. The smaller antlered of the two might technically be a seven pointer because it had two very small kickers coming straight forward off the front base of the antlers, but I'll stick with calling it a five. The remainder of seasons seemed to go the same way. Each time I left the shack to head out, just trusting my gut instinct on where to go. Almost every time I saw deer, letting some smaller bucks go in hopes of getting a crack at a trophy now that I had already taken two smaller bucks. I never did get a chance at a bigger buck that year, though I saw quite a few forks and spikes, does and fawns, but it was a great season even though it was a short hunt with just the weekends. It really is crazy to think about how often a hunch and luck can play into how things turn out for us, not just in the field, but in life in general. 
The icing on the cake is that not only was it a successful hunt, it was my youngest son's birthday. And on the day that he turned two years old, I was able to put down two identical twin bucks and still be home for birthday party and cake over lunchtime to celebrate with him. All right, so there you guys go. Little story time with Dave. Now, I, <laughs> I'm not the, uh, the best writer. I'm not the best voice actor. But it was fun to read back through that. It's a story I've, I still remember vividly. Um, you know, it happened many, many years ago now. What are we, what did I say it was? 2013. And so we're now uh, 2019. That's what, six years ago? So it's been a while. I, I really do, being outdoors is, is a huge part of who I am, but also the creative side takes over. And so when I get a chance to, to sit down and do some writing, I love to be able to take these, these memories and turn them into stories. You know, this, like I said, is a true story. There, there's some, I won't say embellishment, because um, the story, as I read it, is true. But it's the ability to to take some time and you know, kind of flesh out the memory rather than saying, "Yeah, that year I shot two bucks opening morning within a half hour, twenty minutes of each other." It's the ability to turn it into a little bit of a narrative, beginning, middle, and end. Most importantly, it's it's fun to go back and look at work that we've made years and years ago to see both how far we've come, and in some cases, just to enjoy the ride. But as always. The adventure has come to an end. And like I always say, it's not the end. It is just an ending. And so I really appreciate you sticking around this week. Hope you enjoyed the story time. If you liked it, maybe we'll do some more of these in the future, some different types of stories and different things I've written as I dig them up. But in the meantime, I want you guys to keep your eyes open for your own adventures in creativity. Stay positive. Stay kind to each other. Take care of yourselves, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks again for listening. Music in this episode is provided by the band Portrayal. It's a track called Lost Souls. You can find it at freemusicarchive.org.